Hi everyone and welcome to episode 48 of the Two Sporting Muppets. You're here with Greg and Gray as always as we take a look not just in the week in sport but the last couple of weeks in sport. We've been on a bit of a break for two weeks but we're back into it today and pretty good timing in terms of the two football codes uh, to the really serious end of their season and so we can have a chat about that. Bit of basketball, tennis and we'll see where it takes us after that but without any further ado welcome to the microphone Gray. How are you? Very well, thanks, Greg. Good to catch up. As you said, it's been a couple of couple of weeks, but look, it's sort of coming the norm, isn't it? But that's okay because it gives us plenty to talk about. Yeah, I think it stretches out a bit. It's a bit unfortunate. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I've actually started a new job, and it's just us finding t- or me finding time to work around the new job and and recording and editing. So hence more of a fortnightly podcast these days than a weekly one but we'll do it whenever we can and we enjoy it as hopefully you guys like listening to our rant about sport but we certainly enjoy talking about it so it is good to catch up and as i said i think given the fact the two football codes have finished their regular season it's probably good to, good week to catch up heading into the finals it is look a great timing you know the, the the days are getting longer the weather's swarming up the smell of liniment the voltaren from the dressing sheds it's you know it's the business it's the business time for the nrl and the afl and so bring it on can't wait myself no looking forward to it this is some really you know as always the best teams got through but i think it leads to some really good football in both codes over the next few weeks towards the end of september does now before we jump into it craig i'll do the family thing and just very quickly wanted to congratulate my daughter Makayla's team the under four to think they're under Victor Magpies were victorious in their grand final against Tarmore on the weekend. A great game of netball. Both teams played really well. Um, the Tarmore girls never gave up at any picked them or too strong. Yeah, so well done to my daughter Michaela's team and the, go to pick the Magpies. Yeah, well said. Excellent. I know we've, she's had a long season and played reps in between as well. So no, good on her and the team and finishing so strongly at the end of the year. It's great to hear. Everyone else will sleep better at night knowing all that. Now, Greg, unfortunately, it, it, and you know, it's unfortunate, but a part of life we have to start like this. But I don't, I think this happened just after our last podcast. But Kyle Turner, former Rabbitohs Premiership forward, unfortunately passed away at uh, 31 years of age, um, took his own life, it appears. So Kyle Turner was a you know, really good up and coming forward, had a really bad neck injury, which caused him issues. And he fought really hard, came back from that. And as I mentioned, was in the in the Bunnies Premiership winning team. Was it 2014? Around, I think it was, around that time. Yeah. But since then, you know, injuries had put an end to his career. He returned back to his hometown, Akuna Barra brand. I think it was doing a bit of school teaching. But yeah, look, fell on fell on hard times, you know, mental health wise. And unfortunately, um, it came to a head. So our and dear condolences to, to Kyle Turner's friends and family. And, and as always, I know we say this too much, but you know, life lot, Lifeline, all, all those great, you know, great charities, agencies, Gotcha for Life, there's so many of them. Please make, make you if, if you need it. Yeah, look, I think it's, as sad as it is, it's, it's timely in the fact that Are You OK Day is coming up for us as well. And it's just that reminder to check on your mates, check on your friends. And, 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 and check in and know someone's there to listen if you need someone to chat to. And, you know, it's, it's not your feel-good story, but it's really important we have that conversation and remind people, you know, check on your mates. But if you are struggling a bit, there's great support out there as well. And, and hopefully you make the best use of it. Now, well, well said, mate. And as I mentioned, those agencies, but you're right. Look, probably the most effective, first and foremost, is friends and family. Yeah, not, not being afraid of it. So, look, you'll definitely rest rest in peace and valet to Kyle Turner. More positive news, Greg. As I mentioned, the finals have rolled around. So, we'll just quickly, I'll, we'll go through the top eight and have a look at the upcoming game before we have a look at a bit of a, of those who didn't quite make it. So, the table finished. The top eight was Penrith took out the minor premiership. Brisbane, if they had a one there, their clash against Melbourne would have won, but they fielded a very weak team. So Panthers were first, Broncos second, Storm third, and Warriors rounded out the top four. And they're three points ahead of the team, which was the Knights. So the Knights were fifth, Sharks sixth. Roosters did really well in the last month or so, sneaking into the eight and seven. And the Raiders, who were in the eight, 
just about all year, just managed to hold on eighth spot, which then left the Rabbitohs, Eels, Cowboys, Sea Eagles, Dolphins, Titans, Bulldogs, Dragons, and the poor old West Tigers taking. So so that's healthy. Look, I think out of that, for, for me, the, the talking point for me, um, I guess I got two. You already alluded or mentioned it, you know, the way the Roosters finished in the last three, three or four weeks, finished really strongly to, you know, get into that top eight because there was a, not that long ago, we were talking about them missing out and certainly the way they were playing and the way the results were going was looking like they were going to miss out. So I think they've come, you know, got their act together and coming good at the right time. They're still going to do a tough finishing where they have and playing top teams, but they've given themselves a chance. But I think the bigger talking point is the way the Knights have been playing. Just, just phenomenal. Talk about it all clicking at the right time. I know we touched on a couple of weeks ago, you know, and you raised the point, it sort of was on the back of Ponga making himself unavailable for State of Origin and they started their stretch after that. Wow, have they come good at the right time and it's certainly the form team, consistently form team going into the finals. They talk about the wet sail, like Roosters have had that and the Knights have had it times five on steroids. You know, they're really going in with confidence. I think the, and talk about form and momentum, they're probably the two teams I don't think the other teams are that keen on playing. Like the Sharks would not be happy that they've got the Roosters and the Raiders having to go up to Newcastle, you know, to, to play a really... But just going through the matches, Greg, we'll preview each one as we go. So Friday night, 7.50, Broncos up at Suncourt. The Broncos play the Melbourne Storm. Now, just before you, we have a chat about it, so Nick Meaney has been brought back in at fullback, as ex- look, most people expected this, with Ryan Pappenhausen which I think is a pretty good move because then they can inject Pappenhausen when they think they need him, that add that X factor. And for the Broncos, as expected, Adam, Ren- Adam Reynolds back in the team, their most important player, and basically pretty much at, at full strength, although Corey Oates was not included. It was a little bit of a surprise. Your thoughts on the game, mate? Interesting. that They've only just played, so it's a bit of a rematch straight away. But as you pointed out, Brisbane field Brisbane fielded a significantly weaker team when they played Melbourne recently last week. Oh look, I I would expect I think Melbourne will show up, but I I think Brisbane will get the biscuits up there in front of the home crowd. They're they're pretty guaranteed to get a huge turnout of fans at Suncorp there, and they they've played well all season up there overall. I think I'd have to tip Brisbane. They've had a really good season. Could have easily easily won the premiership. You know they made some decisions to rest players, and I understand that as well. And hopefully that's the catalyst they need to to get over Melbourne. Either way, both teams get a second chance being in the top four. But I, I think, you know, the way it's fallen, I, I think Brisbane will probably probably get it in a very good game. I, te- I tend to agree. But the odds reflect that. $1.61 Brisbane, Storm $2.32. So they're not huge difference. And, yeah, I think they're spot on. Because if the Broncos are off their game a touch, Melbourne will get them. And they're not that far away, but at, if both teams play ninety-five percent of their ability, I think with Adam Reynolds particularly directing their show will just be at home will be a little bit too strong. But agree, I think it'll, I think it'll be a cracking match. Yeah, no, look, it's an interesting one. They obviously want to win, but they also back their mind now they've got a second crack the following week. So they've got that. Both teams have that safety net, which is interesting mindset going into the match. Something to discuss another day, but. Look, it does show just the way the rugby league world is now that the, the minor premiership doesn't mean jack to teams. The fact that the Broncos, you know, importantly to rest their players, to make sure they're fresh for the finals, you know, were happy to, although they played well and weren't that far away from beating Melbourne, the second string team, they you know, were happy to let, that go, let the game go, you know, which just shows that the minor premiership, it just, it just doesn't mean a hell of a lot. No, it's very little relevance, and and as you said, the club chose the player rest was far more important than coming first. Just the way it is. Now Saturday, Greg, a little bit. Of, I know people I speak to are a bit surprised with the timing of this game. So Panthers Warriors out at Penrith at four oh five p.m. I know in the past they've off, they've done it till like a five thirty ish game, and then an eight o'clock game. However, um, look now. With me saying that, I've, it's just clicked in my head why they've done that. And it's basically for the, I think, you know, just so it's not ridiculously late in New Zealand. 
Yeah, if they pushed it back to, say, 5 o'clock, that's making it 7 o'clock in New Zealand kickoff. So still not late, late, but I, I dare say you're right that it, pushing it a bit earlier makes it you know, a really nice viewing time in New Zealand. Yeah, and look, not a bad viewing time, but traditionally, you know, Saturday finals are a little bit later. But on the actual game itself, look, Penrith, and quite rightly, raging hot favourites, $1.20 with $4.60 Warriors. Look, the only look the most significant thing, obviously, for Penrith, the injury for uh, Jerome Luai, who is out for the season, most likely. So his spot has been played, but uh, has been, I'll get it right in a minute, he's been replaced by Jack Cogger, who's played really well whenever he's been asked to step up. So the Panthers are looking really good. Look, Sean Johnson, you know, having a stellar season, a big chance of winning the Dally M, really. Tiari Martin back at 5 8, is interesting. But yeah, look, I think the Warriors will make a good account, but I think, I think, be way too strong in the end. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think the Warriors have had an outstanding season and the new coach they've brought in has done wonders with that squad. They just, you know, probably exceeded any expectations in New Zealand of themselves and certainly in the Australian part of the competition have exceeded what anyone thought they'd do here. So kudos to the Warriors and their organisation for getting it right this year. I think they will put up a good game and they've played well away from home, so I wouldn't write them off. In fact, at four bucks sixty, it's nearly a sneaky bet time. You know, they they could cause one of those upsets. But that said, to come in and do it in Penrith, it will be a challenge. But I wouldn't write them off completely. Oh no, I think what you're saying is quite relevant. Yeah, it would be an upset, but look, you just never know. But if Penrith, I think if they play what ninety percent, they'll they'll win reasonably comfortably. Now the next game, now this is literally almost or practically an even money bet. So the at Points Bet Stadium a.k.a. Shark Park. We've got Cronulla taking on Root the Roosters. Uh, Sharks, $1.94. Roosters, $1.00. And I think probably fair enough. Look, the Sharks have been a little bit up and down of late, a little bit inconsistent, but still playing reasonably good footy, and we've, we know about them. We've been banging on about them. Your thoughts, Greg? You able to pick a winner? Look, I hate to say this, but just on form and inconsistent the last few, I think I'm going to tip the Roosters, and I've I lo- like really like the Sharkies overall, like the way they, their style of play. But the, they're just, in, as you said, they're inconsistent. And even at home, they're inconsistent. So, I mean, that's another conversation we could have. Should that game be at a tiny little ground like Shark Park? But that's another conversation. But even at home, they haven't been as, you know, consistent or as strong as you would hope they would be. And I, I think just the way the Roosters have been playing for their lives the last few weeks. The only thing you'd say, you know, they've been playing for lives. They got across the line. Do they just tighten up a bit now? Now that, you know, they made it into the finals? I don't, I don't know, but I think I'm going to tip the Roosters. The Sharks, have, as you said a couple of, a few, quite a few times, the Sharks haven't played well against strong teams. And you'd have to say the Roosters, although finished below them, are a strong team at the moment, the way they're playing. At the moment, definitely. Look, and, Jay, and Teddy's playing really well. He's got back in the good form. Look, Billy Smith, who's a shocking, you know, is starting to put some games together. Look, Joey Manu has been named. That is potentially a weakness. I, I personally, he definitely won't be 100%. Joey Manu are 80% fit, probably better than most, although it is a hemi, which you know, can be very dicey. But, hey, they've got to roll the dice. If they lose, so I, I totally get that. So, so two strong teams. Braden Trindle's been playing well. Nico Hines, as we know. So both teams who are, you know, really, really good team. Wade Graham could possibly be in the NRL if they lose. He's had a great career. Loyal Sharks man, the captain. Yeah, so two good, strong teams. I think it should be a ripper. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game. All the finals, I think, will be good games, as you quite rightly said. But I think it'll be a good game. What's your take on playing it at the stadium? That's Cronulla. I know, I know, in, you know, they've got the right to have a home game, but you've got a brand new five eight hundred million dollar stadium and they're using shark park it which was built on taxpayers money fair point but look the fact it's only the first one i i do sort of think like you do this you have earned the right for the home game that's my opinion anyway for the first game fair enough no that's fair enough once you once you dig in further than that well i think yeah, you just gotta play work but having said that greg the way it used to be it used to every game used to be at the you know, the footy stadium. That's right. Or the head, whatever headquarters was, SCG in the altar. Yeah, look, I un- understand the argument you're making, but I think for the first round, yeah, at least have that one. I don't mind them having that one home okay. game. It's, it is enough. a shame, though, that Shark Park's under re- renovation and, you know, won't be seen by very many. 
I, I think that's just, you know, Sharks, not only Roosters fans, but Sharks fans will miss out because it's played at a small stadium, which is still being built, sadly. Yeah, and I think, like you could think, okay, Allianz, that's the Roosters' home ground, but Combank would have fitted beautifully. I think Combank would be the perfect size for this match. Yep. It's a shame it's in the Western Suburbs because it wouldn't shoot, suit the Roosters or the Sharks fans. It's just a shame it's in the Western Suburbs because I think you're right. You're, that, that would be the perfect size stadium for this match. Now, I haven't picked a winner yet, and I, it is that hard. Look, I think my gut probably says the Roosters just playing a little bit too strong at the moment, but certainly won't surprise the Sharkies get up. You know, literally, toss of the coin. Yeah. No, I tend to agree. I said, as you said, my head probably says the Roosters with heart says Sharks, but no, no real confidence in either. It definitely could go either way. We agree on that. So our last final game of the weekend on Sunday, 4.05, is up at Newcastle, the Knights and the Raiders. Now, the odds for this, not surprisingly, Knights $1.20 and the Raiders are $4. Your thoughts, mate? I, th- oh, I, I think it's probably, it's probably got the wrong way now, but it's probably, to me, the clearest, easiest to tip match out of the four of them. I think the Knights, I think the Knights, the way they're playing, they're going to get a massive home crowd up there in Newcastle. Uh, if, if it's not sold out, it will be by the time the game comes around on Sunday afternoon. I have a feeling it might already be sold out. So they're going to get a I massive... I feeling it would be. They're going to get a massive home crowd. They've had not a lot of success up there in recent times. So to be back in the finals and finish the way they have, the crowd's going to be fully behind them. Canberra travelling. Yeah, I, I, I think the Knights. I think the Knights are going to get up, and, and deservedly so. What you're saying is very sensible, mate, and you know, runs with current form. I just wonder, though, $4.60, you talk about worth a bet, because – I agree, Knights are deserved favourites, but the fact it's final, I just don't know if Canberra are that bad. What concerns me, I have a look at the backs, and obviously Ponga's a freak, Dom Young, how good, Gagai's played Origins, and they're, yeah, they're starting Whiten in the centres, the Raiders, which I don't think is great. The halves, Tyson Gamble and Jackson Haste are the halves in, at the business end of the season. I think you know where I'm going here. Potentially could, like you said, hopefully, I literally hope they step up. You know, but certainly question. Would you agree? Certainly a question mark. I think the question could be asked. Uh, look, the camera have been quite good for some years now, and they've been there or thereabouts. And Newcastle haven't been so that that experience in finals football as a club and as an organisation and some of those players is it's worth something, most definitely. And they're they're they're, they're a chance, but I, I I genuinely think Newcastle will continue and, and get up, given the fact that it's in Newcastle, and I think they're going to get a massive, really strong community support up there. And on the back of that wave, I think they'll continue at least for one more week. Yeah, cool. I think on the flip side of my little argument, the Raiders' hearts, Matt Frawley and Jamal Fogarty, who aren't proven, you know, at, at really at semi either. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is, I agree. I think the Knights will win, but I am very tempted have a little flutter on the Raiders. I, I certainly don't think the Raiders are... I, I... No, I agree. Uh, look, as you said, I think any of those eight games that could could go either way. I think some are clearer cut than others. But look, if Raiders got up, I wouldn't be, you know, shocked completely. And if New Zealand beat Panthers, I wouldn't be completely shocked. As much as I think they'll both go the other way, both teams have proven they can win and win away from home and win those tough matches. So... You, you would say never say never, but I, I do think Newcastle will get up. Yeah, winning form is. So we will see what happens. But yeah, good luck to those to those eight teams. As next time we speak, or as this time next week, obviously, or Monday, come Monday, there'll be two of those, few of those teams will, two of those teams will, their season will be over. They'll be on their mad month. Now, just before we have a look, a bit of a review, a bit of news, Greg, and I agree with what you said off air. You're a little bit annoyed with, these teams who were finished for the year taking up all headlines. Yeah. Well, we mentioned two in particular that have been on headlines for the last week, and they're based alternating each day, which day you look at the paper, who's got the headline. But the Bulldogs and the Bunnies, they're obviously complete shit show inside both organisations, the way they're being run, and, well, players running the organisation as opposed to coaches. In both, in both situations, I think there's few players with too much power. And it seems to be finally spilling out and the media have got hold of it. And, and look, you're right. You said it was, you know, hopefully it'll go away when the finals start. And you're probably right. It's a bit of filler. But the Bulldogs have been shit for a while. And, and you know, we thought under Serraldo it would be, you know, turn the corner. But it doesn't sound like they have turned the corner. In fact, it sounds like they've taken a couple of steps backwards. 
And in, and in the Bunnies' case, it sounds like a couple of players have a lot of power and make a lot, you know, are controlling of the way the club is run, coached and organised, and, and that's never going to be good for any long-term success. It doesn't make good. Starting with the Bulldogs, my take on it, I, I support Toronto all the way. All they're doing is just putting a stop to this bullshit of players, precious players, thinking that they run the club. And look, I, I do agree with the actual incident with the player who was made to wrestle and all that. Look, a bit of, little bit of sympathy there. But Luke Lewis and Andrew Moore had a really good conversation on ABC Radio about this. And Andrew Moore said, well, if that happened to me or similar thing, any workplace, that's bullying. And Luke Lewis said, yeah, but it's not a normal work. It's an elite sport work. And, you know, and there's the full context of that, you know, still a little bit cloudy anyway. But what Serraldo is doing is, and I keep maintaining this, the Penrith Panthers, the Storm, the Roosters, they train harder than any other and yet you never hear the players win. Why? Because the players know if they carry on, the coach will just say, pack your bags, and you know, you're not wanted. Um, well, that, that's my take on it. And that's what Serrato is doing. He's, he's basically saying the reason we are losing is because you aren't working hard enough. And until they, you know, toe the line, that's, that's the only way they're going to improve. That's what he thinks. It's just my opinion. I'm, and I, t- I'm I, for it. I tend to agree with you. There's far too many and not a very good choice of words, but far too average players on far too much money and thinking they're far better than they are and don't, as you said, quite rightly, don't need to put the effort in where it really counts to be successful over time, like Melbourne, like the Roosters. You know, as you said, those you don't hear any of those players ever complain. And if they do, you know Bellamy's in control. You know Robinson's in control. You know, look at Brendan Smith. He was on the outer with Robinson for a long time and he came in as a so-called superstar at the Roosters, and he's been, was on the outer for quite a while and hasn't had a good season. And, you know, they they did sit him and they did sit him and bring him off the bench for a while. And you, you would think coming from a Melbourne system, he would have fit into that sort of style quite, you know, really well, but it hasn't 100% worked. And I think, you know, it's not just the Bulldogs. I'm not picking on the Bulldogs because I think some you know, the other teams are going to talk oh, about no, it I think it's exactly the same situation. So I don't mean to pick on my Doggies fan, the Doggies fans out there because I don't think you're the only club – but I think these two clubs have hit the headlines, hence we're talking about it. But I think, you know, a couple of players, a few players earning way much more money than they ever should be, end up with more volume and, you know, taking up more oxygen within the club than they ever ever should in any club and, and the rest of the club suffering for it. Uh, good. One thing I will say, Greg, is what I know American sports influ- has a huge influence on you know, our, our elite sportsmen. They watch the NBA and the NFL, and, as they should, because they're great and you get the athletes who have the swagger, who have the big dollars. But what they don't realise, but the American sports are also completely cutthroat. You can have all that crap, you don't do your job, and you are, you pack your bags the next day. Literally, so, you know, I, I can't speak the NFL like you can, but certainly in basketball, if you get traded, you literally turn up to the report to the next city the next day. And that could be on the other side of the country with no house, no accommodation, your family's got to move, that is the way the sport is. So you are so right. You know, they can have all the swagger, but they're also a protected species in our the way our sports are organised too. Yeah, whereas over there they certainly are not. In particular, like a, a punter, have a bad game, and that's the end of, you know, on the Sunday, a Monday you clean out your locker. You know, so it's totally different in the, like you said, they might have the swagger, but our precious players just don't realise how they've got it on it. No, I think you're right. I tend to agree. Look, on, on to the Rabbitohs, we're a similar thing. Look, is it as entrenched and all that, both clubs, as they say? Look, where there's smoke, there's fire. Probably not quite to the extent that they're making out, but it is a concern. And look, it doesn't surprise me to hear the two names, Walker and Terrell Mitchell, Cody, you know, having supposedly way too much say. The, the way the whole thing was handled, you know, a club legend like Sam Burgess being, you know, thrown on the. I thought it was poor. Look, no surprise it happened to both of these teams after a poor season. Oh, I unexpectedly. And look, it's unfortunate. I, I feel borders. But once again, no players have to realize no one's bigger than the club or the game. They, you know, they're, they're in the spotlight. They're in the game for it. In, you know, in terms of life terms, a very short period. And once they're gone, see you later. And the club rolls on and the game rolls on. Those clubs have been there much longer than the players we're talking about and will continue to be there much longer than the players after they're finished 
for whatever reason they choose to leave. The club will continue, the supporters will continue. And I think, you know, as you said, some of these players have to put in perspective where they sit in the, in the spinning wheels because the clubs have been there a very long time and will continue to be there. I think we've all almost inadvertently sort of answered our little, or you know, got to the end point, and that is that leadership in club, some of the le- the coaching and the leadership in some clubs is piss weak. That's the bottom line. You know, let, let, letting that happen. As I said, it doesn't, those, doesn't happen the Roosters, Storm, or the and. Oh, surprise, surprise, three of the top team. You know, and it certainly didn't happen when Bennett. No. And so I, I think it comes down to those coaches maintaining, holding, you know, the respective players, but but calling their bluff. You know, don't let players walk over them. You've got to be strong. Coaching is like any leadership in any organization. You've got to make some tough decisions and it means you're gonna upset some people sometimes. It's just life and it's business. And these players are getting paid a lot of money and they're employees. Certainly are. And look, and below the surface, another sort of mix mix into all of that is the is the role, and I think way too heavy role of player manager. It seems to be particularly in rugby league. I don't know about AFL, but certainly the the voice that player managers seem to have in the makeup of teams and the way clubs are run and the power their players wield does seem completely out of balance to me. Yeah, that's all I think. Way too much, and about. You know, a, a player gets upset and the player manager, oh, okay, well, you know, let's let's shop around. You don't have to put up with that crap. You know, just because you, you know, don't like the way a coach looks at you. Or exactly. And if that's in Melbourne, then, you know, Bellamy says, all right, shop around, off you go, see you later. You know, and, and doesn't bat an eyelid on it because you'll know you'll have someone in the pipeline ready to pick up that spot. True indeed. Interesting. But anyway, a nice little short chat about that. And last thing on Souths, a bit was made and leaked. Apparently, it happened months ago, but Clive Churchill's son, you know, who wrote the email to South you know, about what his thoughts were, conveniently you know, just leaked now. Yeah. It, 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 it was originally published like it was related to the incident, but it wasn't. It was a completely separate incident that the, the, the press decided to you know, very loosely link it together, which was really sad as well. Look, at the end of the day, is it Ron? I think Ron Churchill, I forget his name. Like no one else. Okay, his dad was a legend, but he's just a bloke in the street like the rest of them. Yep, he's a punter, and, a and South supporter, you know, whatever. Entitled to his opinion? Yeah, of course. And look, okay, the fact saying Mitchell was a cancer on the club, look, that was like, who knows the inner work. But he said that he was, a, in his opinion, an imposter. And I think sometimes Latrell Mitchell is on the field. He doesn't show up every week. He, he picks and chooses when he's going to be there, and that's really sad because he's such a talented player. When he's on song, he's phenomenal, and we've we've both said that before. But he's inconsistently brilliant, and that's not good enough. But anyway, this talk then of Souths, if they, you know, next time they make the grand final, if their winner of the Churchill medal takes it, they're not going to accept it from it. Like, please. Like, end of the day, Gordon Tallis summed it up beautifully. Not the, what's it called? The Clive Churchill. Not the Ron Churchill medal, or anyone else medal. You know, you honour that. You honour, you know, the prestige and the respect. Exactly. That award and that player. Now, Greg, this is going to be hard, hard listening for many of us. A quick talk at the teams who did not, unfortunately, did not make the final. Or fortunately, depending on the opinion of some team. Look, we've covered a fair bit of Rabbitohs. We'll go down the list. So Rabbitohs just missed out. Now, before I do, Greg, three of last year's prelim final teams did not make the eight. Can you believe that? It's an interesting turnaround, isn't it, for some of those clubs? Very. Well, look at them individually, like I said, though. So, Rabbitohs, around 11, I think they were leading the comp, and they were heavy favourites for the comp. And didn't it go pear-shaped very quickly? It, it, it did, and we won't spend a lot of time on it because we've just talked a, a lot about the Rabbits, and I think the, the what we just talked about, and they're, they're falling from grace is kind of aligned. I think there is... Some internal rumblings that, you know, unhappy staff, unhappy players. And I think that translated to poor performance in the second half of the season on the field. And I, I think, you know, it, it does give some credit to some of those stories that have come out recently, unfortunately. But as you said, you know, it wasn't that long ago or halfway through, just before half time, halfway, they were, you know, clear, like leading the comp and, and strong favourites at the, at the time to continue. And they've just had a massive fall from grace and really poor results over that second half of the season. They look a bit of an origin hangover. Latrell Mitchell been out for a long time. Now, as we said about with his consistency, but he certainly does have a huge impact when 
you know, when he plays well, yeah, it just yeah, lost their confidence and, you know, it, yeah, slipped from there. But, yeah, very disappointing finish for the Rabbitohs. Now, 10th was the Eels. Now, definitely a prem- not a premiership hangover, but a grand final hangover. Look, I thought for them, it, they started terribly. Early on, there was a few funny things. Madison choosing to take a suspension rather than a fine for four weeks at the start of the season. Very odd decision. No idea what that, the hell that was. Look, some, some injuries. Sean Lane, for example, who was really effective last year, couldn't get going every time he come back from an injury. Injury. Very unlucky in that. Did they overachieve last year a little bit? Perhaps. I don't really know. But they, look, obviously lost a few good players. Papa Lee to the Tigers and Reed Money, particularly Reed, very good number nine. So that didn't help. But yeah, just a really all over the shop. Look, they had a few highlights. Gufferson had a really good year, I thought. Um, young Hopgood, you know, his debut season after playing at Penrith in the lower ground, really good. But yeah, overall, they just didn't, could, they couldn't get going. They just couldn't get any. No, I know they were in the top eight for a while, but they never looked like they were going to genuinely make it. And if they did, they were never going to be any threat. And I think where they finish is probably indicative of the way they've played in their season, to be fair. I think that's probably a, a fair finish in, what would you say, they're in 10th, which is probably fair for the club. I guess my question there, do they keep sticking with Brad Arthur? And, I, and I'm, look, a big advocate of not getting rid of coaches quickly and you know shuffling players to get the right combination as opposed to blaming the coach. But he's had a long run at it now. And apart from last year, not the success they would have expected. Look, I, I think there's even cause of stability after losing the grand final last year. And now after an effort like that, you know, I think, well, if the if they're thinking of getting rid of it, it'll definitely happen. Yeah, you're right. He's had a really good crack at it. The results aren't there now. Time to move time to move on, I think. And nothing against him, I think he's I I, I rate him as a bloke and a he's a good he's a good solid coach. I I don't think he's got what it takes to take Parramatta to the promised land. So eleventh Greg on the same number of points on thirty points was the Cowboys. Look that in my opinion, they just bad start. If you get have a bad start to the season, you're always chasing your tail. Not dissimilar to Parramatta in the fact they had a really poor start, came really good after Magic or starting Magic round. Then when we went to Brisbane and saw the sort of start to turn yeah, around, had a really good run and then faded towards the end again. And so a little bit like Parramatta in that sense that the poor start didn't set them up, but they did come good, but just couldn't maintain it. I think next year will be will tell us the answer to it. But they probably did they overachieve last year. Probably did. They said they couldn't get the consistency. Some really good players did and had another good year. Drink water. So they've, they've got the talent there. Really should be a top top eight, if not around the top top four team. I think the hammer, losing the hammer, that bit of pace didn't help either. But yeah, bad start. Just couldn't get the consistency. Like I said, had a really good run, in the, probably the middle, second third of the season, and, and then stumbled again. Look, I... To be honest, I think their positions deserve it as well. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's unfair. They, I wouldn't say they're unlucky. They just didn't start well and didn't finish well and you know, had, had a good run for eight weeks, nine weeks there, which I think we comment on the pod a few times that they started to come good but just you know, ran out of steam, as they say, towards the back end when they needed those wins to get into eighth and seventh, eighth place. Yeah, I agree. Now, 12th was Manly on 29 points. They had a funny sort of season, didn't they? Never felt like they had it to me. Like they never felt like they were going to make the eight, but then won some really good matches. You know, they they weren't you know embarrassed about class a lot of the time. Missing Turbo, of course, hurt them after Origin. You know, he's he's their superstar. Yeah, never never hurts. They're funny, aren't they? In that they can beat anyone on their day, but they can also lose to most teams. Just yeah, they're. A, I think mediocre is a bit harsh. They're better than but mediocre, are, but they never look like making the finals to me. But they're not they're better than mediocre, yeah. They're, they're a ordinary good they're a good ordinary. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Just I like do. that something. Yeah. Look, Cherry Evans, another great year. Like even the way he finished in that last game, he's incredible. And at 34, 35, you think, God, you know, is he slowing down? But it doesn't seem to be. Gonna be really interesting with Luke the club. Yeah. Um moving so Schuster back to the pap. We've spoken before. Some of their decisions, paying eight hundred grand a year for Schuster, who has done absolutely nothing to warrant that money, in my opinion, is interesting. But look, they've they've got a plan. 
they've got a plan, a bit of coaching stability. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's doom and gloom for, for Sea Eagles fans. I think they'll be, you know, they'll be expecting to make the eight next year. And if Turbo comes back and if, fit. If Turbo comes back, they're probably one player, one really quality player short of making the eight. They're just in that, they're not bad, but they're not in that no man's land at the moment. They kind of need just something to kick them over the line to that top eight. I just feel like they're, even with Turbo, they're just one player short, one really good player short. Maybe Brooks will be the difference. You know, put Cherry Evans with Brooks and Turbo back, and that might be what they need. Because Brooks is really good on his day. And I thought, we'll go to an eight, but I thought he had a really good season with the Tigers this year. I, I don't think it was bad at all. Look, I, some people are saying Brooks, and I think it'll, yeah, I'm with you. I think it should work well. If you know, Cherry Evans does all the organising and Brooks can just run the ball and or, you know, pass it out. And Schuster, look, and if Schuster, forget the pay packet, if he keeps improving, well, he will, he will be very good for them in the back row. Yeah, quite creative. Like that. And what's with uh, interest, how the, how the Manly go next year? Dolphins, and we've spoken a lot about the Dolphins. As I said before, really, okay, they, they really hit the wall towards the end. They had, had a nice win. I think they had a really, you know, really good season. They were in the eight for a while. They didn't come last like many predicted. You know, plenty of, and they didn't have luck of injuries either. They lost their half back early in the season. But plenty of players, you know, all the, the old heads they bought, I thought stood up. And yeah, like I said, just ran out of steam. Yeah, I, I think the Dolphins as an organization should be really proud of their first season. I think they're overperformed, overachieved, um, which just tells you what good systems they put in place coming in. And, and they, they, they sensibly bought players that worked together and didn't pay overs for a lot of them. They just bought good players that shone under Wayne Bennett. How often does that happen? And you think of Mar- you think of players like Marshall King who'd done the rounds a little bit and a bit of a trundler and goes up there and had an outstanding season, I thought, with the Dolphins. And I, I think, yeah, they didn't make the eight. They were there for a while, but I think they still had a really, really good season and, and really sets them up as a threat going forwards because they're not that far behind. Bit of luck with injuries, a bit more depth, and they'll be right there. Yeah, in, in a musical sense, isn't it? Next year is that all important second album. Yes, it really is. What's the follow up going to look like? You're so true. And well, well, what's that with injuries? Yeah, I, I really liked how they went about it this year. Now, a 14th, a team that a lot of us picked to be towards the bottom of the eight, very indicative of their season because you never know what you're going to get, and that's the Gold Coast time. Yeah, you said about Manly, but. I, I feel they can beat anyone on their day and they can lose to anyone on their day. You know, you, you can see them beating Penrith on the right day and you can see them losing to the Tigers and Dragons as well. They've got a coaching change. They've got Des going up there, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. It's just, you know, it's just the Gold Coast. It doesn't matter what code you talk about, it's just the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast, and look, on, on paper, really, really good team, particularly in attacking-wise. I don't know whether it's too much of that and not enough of the hard grind and grit. You know, defensively, because their four and against was quite poor, minus 126. But yeah, they, look, they, they should have been, on talent-wise, of their squad, they should be pressing for the eight. But it also went downhill after they, they were actually in the eight when they sacked their coach. Yeah, they were. I think they were eighth. When, when he got sacked, I actually think they were in the eight. And then we've you know, announced Des Hasler. Look, I think one thing you'll see straight away is an improvement in their defensive yep. work. Totally agree with you. I anyway. think that's the mindset theirs will bring in, and I think they'll be work really hard, and their defense will pick up significantly. Yeah, he, he's a sort of coach. Initially, he won't even worry about the attack until that defense is sorted. And yeah, so how they'll go next year is anyone's guess. Now, probably the last three, the most look bulldogs. A lot of people had them towards the bottom of the eight or pressing for the eight. I think I was one of those. I thought with the squad they had, I didn't expect them. You know, to do great things, but I really thought they were going to seven seven wins for the year. The worst defensive record, even worse than the Tigers, minus 300 for and against. Just, they've know, got, some, they've got some issues there, seriously. With some of the players they've paid big money for who still aren't performing, I don't know what's going on with the Dogs, but they've got some serious things going on that need to be addressed. Look, I, I didn't think they'd make the eight, but I did say I think right back at the beginning of the year they will definitely be improving. And I, I think I had them, if we went back and listened again, I think I thought around ninth or tenth, like real middle of the pack. But they weren't even close. They just, they're a basket case. Look, well, having said that, Greg, look, on the field, the main thing they lack is the most important position. Halfback. Is they don't have a half. Yep. Yeah, you know, they've got a good 5 eighth in Burton. Reed Marnie, who didn't have his best year. You know, nowhere near he's been at Parra, but... 
still a very good number nine. You know, young fullback, you know, blokes at fullback did okay, but you've got to have it. And they're as rare as hens teeth, so I'm not sure where they're going to, you know. Or Flanagan, all respect. No, he gets in there and has a dig, but he ain't a, you know, he's a fringe first grader at best. Yeah, they've, I personally think they have to, they have to sort that out before they can expect improvement. Look, they, they didn't have a lot of luck. Kikau getting a long-term injury early certainly didn't help. Look, they, they they, Kikau was, was out for a long time. Adokar was out with Origin and then injury for a long time as well. So some of their superstars, inverted commas, certainly missed a lot of the season for them. And look, a few positives. Jacob Carraz, who is, I think, is a sensational player, the future rep player. I think if he keeps up, he's... You know, he's just so tough and the meters he makes and they're just a really, really hard nut player. He was good. The the young bloke who went off the board a bit late, Alamonte in the centers, so but he he looked good. Also, not forgetting Greg, that Crichton and I'm trying to think there's another there's another player coming. But Crichton in the centers will certainly add add a lot. I'm sure there's another signing too. I just can't think of it. But yeah. If it put it this way, if if it doesn't start well early. It could get ugly yet again next year for the doggies. Yeah, look, I, I, they've got some work to do. I think oh, you made the comment before. I think they've got a good coach. Just got to get their business in order because I think they've got the right coach to stick with for a while. They just need to get their their, their business background in order and sort out what's going on with some of those players. That's right. Yeah, get in there. And, and as you said with Dragons and Tigers, show some patience, which they will. You know, they've so- signed Serraldo. Just stick with him, and I think I think things will slowly improve. Oh, dear. Dragons, 16. Five wins, which was one more than the Tigers. Are you over the sum this up, Greg? What, they were terrible. They were terrible. They quite rightly sacked their coach. Probably should have never been their coach, but they took a coach and Andrew Griffin, who you and I both said all along would never work out. And surprise, surprise, it didn't work out and didn't see the end of his contract. The players, there's obviously like a lot of other teams, there's unrest or there was some unrest in the playing group. Then you've got Ben Hunt, who was really loyal to Griffin, who caused his unrest because Griffin got sacked, so he wanted to get out the door. He's he's their best player by so far, but doesn't want to be, or didn't want to be there. Whether they can turn that round under Flanagan, I don't know, but he's by far and away their best player, and yet he didn't want to be there in the back half or for a while there. So that that can, you know, you've got some imposters like Lomax out in the centres being way overpaid and believing his own headlines from a couple of years ago. It's just a I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We'll see how we go next year with the new coach. But they, I think they need to shake up their playing group a little bit as well. They're not without hope. They're in the Tigers. In terms of youth and particularly attacking, you know, Amoni and Tyrell Slow, I know he's got some defensive, but, you know, some potential there. Yeah, but they need to see. And look, I think Flanagan will certainly put some starch in their defence. Much needed starch. I think he'll be a better coach than Griffin. Um, that would I be hard. I, yeah, fair point. I don't know if he's the right coach, but then there, we talk this so much. Who do you pick from? There's just coaching pool out there is so shallow. It's a bit like halfbacks. They've gone with someone who's won a premiership, and I respect that. And there's a little bit of hope there. I, I do think there's some issues with their playing group. Oh, I agree. Particularly, yeah, well, backs and forth. Yeah, you look over the park, don't you? There, there certainly are things that need need looking at and addressing, but whether they have the you know, the cap room and the playing talent available, sure. Which leads us into the debacle that is the West Tigers. Look, to be honest, Greg, I think we've battered the ears of our poor listeners enough with my Tigers. Just to say, look, not unexpected, basket case. I, I think the problem for the Tigers, and we've said this over and you know this better than me, but I totally agree with you. It's not the playing group. It's the office group at the Tigers. They are a shit show. And it clearly filters down to the the coaching staff and playing group. And I think the 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 in, insanity of your is it CEO? What's his name? I, I don't know. Oh, Pasco. Yeah. Um, which I won't start you, but I think that you know it, it starts with the head of the snake, as they say. And I think it, that's what is impacting on the Tigers more than people people think. You know, they they bought Tim Sheens as a savior, and then you know sacked him one year in, and have. We mentioned this last time, and I worry that, and I know, don't mind Benji, and I think he's you know, a good younger coach and a lot of energy and could be a really good choice, but they nearly set him up to fail by you know two bad seasons. If he doesn't go well, well, he's failed straight away. So I think there's a lot of pressure on poor Benji to turn things around as well. So I think 
yeah, you know, there's a lot of negatives. One positive I will say about the Tigers, I can't think of his name, but you're not straight away, year young fullback. Buller, he's oh, really good. He is Gerard good, Buller. mate. You guys are on a winner. I hope he stays with the Tigers and doesn't end up getting a big money day somewhere else, which I fear, because I think he's good. You know, he is good. Look, and they're young forwards. Yeah, that's definitely youngsters coming through, and there's some talent there. But as you said, shit show off the field, as the slogan is at the moment, and the Pasco fiasco. Like, just an example, he had latest debacle when he addressed the media. Like, he's your head coach, and he looked like he'd been on a five-day fucking bender. Like, you know, he hadn't shaved. Anyway, it's just, it, it's at the stage now where I think the supporters are going to, will try and exert, it's just not, you know, and I feel for the players, because, okay, they're not great, but they have a, but when they're not being supported, and they're always in the press for, uh, for shit, Larger the players don't have any control over. Look, a lot of the headlines for the Tigers, and we've said it, had nothing to do with the playing group. You know, whether it was the Anzac Day jersey debacle or whatever, it wasn't around the playing group or the effort put in. It was the shit going on behind the scenes and the the way the cl- the club as a whole is run. And I think that's really sad. And they've always had you know more leaks in the joint than a you know than a spaghetti strainer. Yeah, like it's just yeah, it's just just un- unprofessional. Yeah. No, I just hope, like you, loyal fans stay there because I think there is a, a good young core of players there they can build around. They just need some success to attract some quality players around them without paying overs for average players, which, you know, all clubs that struggle do that. And I think, you know, um, the doggies are suffering from that at the moment. I think I worry the shot, uh, the Tigers, uh, the, the Dragons will start doing that. And certainly the Tigers, we've commented a few times, have played overs for very average players the last couple of seasons. I just hope they get. Yep. But now, you know, it's not a fan of his personality in that. But I really wish now they had got Phil Gould to be a manager to sort. He would have sorted out their juniors. Like, he would have done just like he did at Penrith. You know, he would have got all the junior development happening properly, get things in place. Not saying it would have been as successful as Penrith, but potentially in five, six, seven years' time, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But anyway. No. We won't, we won't spend any more time on it. It's, been a long couple of seasons. There are some positives in the playing group. I just hope that becomes the the headline and not the bullshit in the background for you guys moving forward because I think that was when it starts to turn around. And as we said before, the only way is up. Yep. Now, now we said it couldn't get worse than last year, but it did. They came 17th, not 16th. It did went from 16th to 17th. <laughs> but as long as there's not an expansion team that's announced overnight for next year, it can't really get any. No, no. It's but been stay a lot- loyal. Been a Same long oil Tigers. two seasons, but Tigers fans hang in there because I think you have got some really good young players and just need to cut the head off the snake, as you have said many a time. We can only hope. All right, Greg. Well, that's our footy wrap. I know it went a little bit longer, but that's all right. We can certainly shorten up a few of the things. AFL, Greg, let's have a very quick talk. It won't take long. And then I want to hear your thoughts on basketball. Definitely. Australia was expected a lot better than they did. Anyway, we'll talk about it when we get there. But I don't necessarily disappointing result. But with the Olympics coming up, you know, I don't know whether it's all doom and gloom on that front. But anyway, okay, AFL. So we've got the top eight finish: Collingwood, Brisbane Lions, Port Adelaide, Melbourne Demons, routing out the top four: Carlton, St Kilda, GWS, and the Swanee. So great to see from our perspective, two Sydney, the two Sydney teams make the eight. It was quite exciting in the last round where you know, the results were still live to the last game, just about, where teams would finish and who would host games. But we have. It starts tomorrow night, actually, Thursday night. We have Collingwood versus Melbourne. And Collingwood's slight favourites, but not by much. That should be a really good game. Look, first, first, third. So it's going to, or whatever it is, fourth, second chance. First winner, just like the league. Winner straight through to the prelim. Loser gets another crack. Elimination final on Friday night. Carlton versus the Swanee. Swanee's a favourite. It's about $1.60 favourite. I think Carlton would do a lot better than they did last week against the Giants. Paddy Chris is back. But I think the Swanee's played pretty much their potential. They should win. St. Kilda and the Giants. The Giants also at the MCG. Giants are favourites. Just. This game could go either way. But the Giants are looking quite good. And they're, sort, they're a team I don't think the other teams want to play, to be honest. Which orders well. And the Brisbane Lions are pretty heavy favourites up in the Gabba. I don't think they've lost at the Gabba this year, the Lions, against Port Adelaide, who have had a good year, but have been a little bit wobbly in the last year. 
and that's for the spot. So, yes, I'm really interesting game. Very interested to see how our Sydney teams go and to see if next week we have any Sydney teams left or whether we're, um, you know, it's going to be all non-New South Wales team. Look, I won't spend much on it because you follow it far closer than I do, but one, my one comment, and I was thinking the other day, and as you were saying it then, there would be some old VFL legends turning their grave thinking there's one Queensland team and two New South Wales teams in the top eight in the AFL. Just how times have changed, you know, it, and I think it's really good and it, it generally shows that the AFL, unlike the NRL, is a genuine national competition that, you know, you might not have your Adelaide and Perth in there this year, but you've got two Sydney teams and a Queensland team, which is not the market they ever thought they'd survive in. And yeah, they've got three of the eight strongest teams are from outside, from those eastern seaboard states. And I think that says a lot about the way they've developed the game outside of its traditional um, areas of strength. Totally agree, mate. And it, you're right. There's plenty of the older brigade and plenty of just Victorian who hate it, you know, who see the the AFL is the VFL, but it's the way forward. It's what the admin have wanted for many years and truly national competition. And they get two Sydney teams playing final. And it's happened a few times in the last five, six years. That's what it's about, I think. No, I think, it's a, I, I think it's a good thing. I can just imagine how the Victorians would be reacting to that. And it wasn't that long ago. Even for someone like me, that would be unthinkable to have, you know, one Queensland or New South Wales team in the top eight, much less three of the top eight being from New South Wales and Queensland. So I think it's really good and really shows the strength of the AFL as a national sport now. And as we said, that's, yeah, that's our intention. Look, the, the Victorians, they, and they're right, sorry, and they're right, the success of those teams has, does come at the expense of the Melbourne teams, but that's just the way it is. That's just what the AFL have decided to do and want to do, and you know, hats off to them. It's working. And they came up with that plan a long time ago, that long-term plan of getting into New South Wales and Queensland and not only getting in but being successful, and they stuck to that plan. They've changed CEOs and still stuck to that plan, and, and now it's bearing fruit. If they could just get the Gold Coast <laughs> to be a little bit successful, I think they'd, you know, and it doesn't mean all four have to be there all the time, but if, you know, we, if the Gold Coast did have some success, and I know they signed a superstar coach, which you would know more about than me, but I do know they've signed... Uh, a very good coach moving forward, which is probably the biggest shining light, apart from signing Ablett in their opening season, for the Gold Coast Suns moving forward. So at least they've come up with a plan as well. But I, I Damien think if, Hardwick. Yeah, Damon, thank you, Damon Hardwick. But if the Gold Coast can have some success and then you see Brisbane, it's you know been consistent for a long time now, as has the Swans and, and GWS from the grand final themselves not that long ago. I think, you know, the AFL hierarchy be sitting back in their chairs smiling, going, yeah, we, this was the plan and it's now coming to fruition. Indeed it is. Just on the hierarchy, though, Gillo McLaughlin, like seriously, I don't know when he announced he was leaving, but hanging around like a bad smell. He's not like, going anywhere. <laughs> oh, geez, he just switched. The, the poor bloke taken over, or women, or lady, I forget who it is. But, if he'll, like, yeah, seriously, it's getting to the stage where this grand final played now. Yeah, I feel like he's going to hang around. I feel like he's going to hang around for Tasmania now. I just get that vibe. But, yeah, very unlikely a football administrator to have a... Exactly. Very um, true. Now, Greg, opinions. So, basketball, if you could give us a bit of a summary of, well, not just the boomers, but how it's all going, because it's still in, you know, it's still happening as we speak. Yeah, so it's and, right. Yeah. What, Sorry, yeah, we're right down the pointy end. We're in the semi, well, playing off the semifinals. Um, Last night tonight, I'm trying to. The US won, so they got through. They beat Italy to get through to their semi final. On that half, I can't think who else won in the other half of that. Um, it's escaped me at the moment, but I, it's a European team on their half. And the other semi finals were tonight. Uh, the other quarter finals were tonight for the other semi finalists, I think it is. Uh, yes, so US. Yes, Germany, Latvia. Is one. Germany, Latvia, Canada. That's right. So that's right. You've got Canada versus Luca and the Slovenians who knocked Australia out the other night. And Germany and Latvia. Now, Latvia has been the surprise package of the tournament. Their three best players aren't playing, and yet they beat the US and have been undefeated. Germany, they're a really good squad. They played really well. Beat Australia by three. It was a really good game, but Germany deserved to win it. They've, they, are, they are a danger team. They're talking about teams no one wants to play. Germany's that team. Um, so be the two winners that will play one semi final, and then on the other semi final, I know the US is one team because they beat Italy, and I can't think of the European team. It was two European teams. Um, got through look it's been a really good tournament i think it's it's been run really really well in, in terms of the boomers disappointing but not surprising the best way i can describe it 
I think they've had really big change of personnel in their squad. Yes, they've got they've kept their key players, you know, Paddy Mills, um, Joe Ingalls, some of those Nick Kay, the players that have been there for a while did continue, but they brought in a lot of young guy guys, mainly Josh Giddy, but also Josh Green. And those two players end up having massive amount of responsibility but didn't have the experience. So I think that gelling of the old and the new didn't quite work given the time frame they had to work with. The other thing is, and it's not an excuse, but NBA basketball is very different to FIBA basketball. The, the rules, the interpretation of the rules, the size of the court is actually smaller. The NBA court's actually bigger, it's wider. Um, okay, so there's I didn't a bit realize more, Yeah, there's a bit more spacing in the NBA. And the because of the defense rules, they're not allowed to play a zone in the NBA, so they can't clog up the key, which is why it's led to the three-point shootout like we have in the NBA now. Um, whereas in the FIBA, they clog up the key so you don't get those drives and you know you don't get the high-flying action like the NBA gets. So a lot of people don't like FIBA because it's a bit more, it's a bit slower and not quite as dynamic. So the FIBA game takes a while for the players in the NBA to adjust to. But look, I think what your comment before, so in a, bottom line is Australia end up finishing 10th. Um, and they were one of the favourites going in. They were ranked third going into the World Cup um, after on the back of their performance at the Olympics. But the World Cup, and this has been in the media for basketball fans will know what I'm about to say, the World Cup's a very different beast to the Olympics in the fact you've got 32 teams in the World Cup and all those strong European teams get through, whereas the Olympics you've only got 12. And it's got to be the way it's structured. You have to have representation from Oceania. You've got to have representation from Africa. You've got to have representation for Asia. So like out of the the 12, you've got, well, Oceania isn't strong because Australia's in it, but Africa traditionally aren't that strong. And Asia traditionally don't, aren't strong at basketball. So you, you've got, you know, three or four, five teams out of 12 that really aren't at that level compared to the teams that are missing out. So it's very, it, it, I shouldn't say it's easier, but it's, it's, it's easy to be successful at the Olympics because the way the, the groups are structured and the makeup structured than the, than, than at the World Cup. And look, Australia's done well. They finished fourth the last couple of World Cups. They just didn't, um, they were unsuccessful. They, they, they came up against strong pool. They had uh, Germany in their pool who has gone on to the semifinals and they crossed over with Slovenia because they finished second, which also has Luka Doncic, probably the best, if not one of the best players in the World Cup. They, they came up against him and they kept him quiet, but it showed what a strong team they actually are because they kept Luca to his lowest points of the tournament and yet they still won by 10. So they just didn't have the answers, unfortunately. They lost their centre in the warm-up matches. We mentioned Jock Landale, who would have been their starting centre. They lost him to an ankle injury in the last of the warm-up matches in Melbourne before they went away, and I think that left a big hole. I think Jock Reith, who filled in, was admirable, but not the level of play that Jock Landale is. And I think we really noticed that as a team. We missed that big rim protection against teams like Slovenia and Germany. Had a couple of really big players. And we just didn't have that real strong inside presence. I think Giddy. Yeah, because I remember you said, yeah, you said when we discussed it uh, in the preview to it that, yeah, well, just a bit small for yeah. your liking. And um, we didn't, we were small. And apart from Paddy, didn't have really strong outside shooting strength. So we didn't have that those one or two outside three-point snipers, you know, that other teams have that go to. Paddy was good, but every team scouts him and that they lock him down as much as they can. I think Josh Giddy warmed to the tournament. I think you've got to remember Josh is only 20 years old. He's young, you know. He's not far out of high school, you know, laugh, but he's not far out of high school and he's now running the point and leading in a national team with very high expectations around the court. So a lot of pressure on Josh really quickly and I think, he will be all better for the experience, both of playing at that level, but playing with the, that is Boomer's team. I think the core will continue to Paris. And I think your comment that it's not all doom and gloom and it's really looking good for Paris, I agree with. I think the fact they had serious tournament time together as a squad, um, get to know the nuances of each other. And I think Paddy and Joe, who are the, the mainstays, will both be at Paris and certainly finish off in Paris. But I think it's really good that Josh Giddy, Josh Green, Matisse Thibel got another run round. I think for uh, Xavier Cooks, who's just gone to the NBA from the Sydney Kings, for those guys who are going to be the, you know, the core group moving forward, I think the fact they all got to play together at that level was really good le- moving forward. So, look, it was disappointing. As a basketball fan, it was disappointing to see them get knocked out the other night against Slovenia. Look, a bit like the rugby league we're talking about, I wasn't surprised, but I was disappointed. But I think setting them up, hopefully, you know, 
they the core group stays healthy stays together with the olympics only one year away and not the traditional two years away i think it's really good moving forward i just hope they yeah, get some time it. together as a, well. yeah i just hope they get some time as a squad after the nba finishes before the olympics to to get those combinations working and i hope they get some good practice matches against some quality opposition yeah, so definitely better for the run Definitely. I, I think it does bode well. And look, everyone with the boomers, it seems to be their culture, unlike the US, you know, they've all said they're up for the Olympics next year. So, you know, barring health injuries like happened to Jock, I think one of the thing, good things about the boomers, apart from Ben Simmons, all the, the key players always make themselves available. Yeah, which is, which is what we need, isn't it? And I, I, did hear a pod, be- I, I did hear Ben quoted in a podcast just this week that he's indicated he will be available for Paris, whether he is or not, because he said that before and hasn't. But he's saying now he'll be you know, putting his hand up for Paris. And I think if Ben comes in with the right attitude and he has a good NBA year, he, he could be a difference maker. He's a talent. He's a real talent and hasn't really shown that the last two years through injury, through choice of his own and through injury. So I'm not totally down on Ben Simmons. But I hope he does put his hand up and spend some time with the guys because I think he's got the skills to really add to that team and, and be a real difference maker. So the squad going to to, um, to Paris next year could be really strong and give ourselves a really good chance in those medal rounds again. But I think it is positive yeah, moving so. forward. Yeah, look, better as I said, better for the run. Look, Ben Simmons, he has said it before, but if he could contribute you know, and get in, yes, say, yep, I'm up for it, I'm ready. That would be great. Uh, yeah, it was yeah Serbia was Greek Serbia, Serbia. beat Lithuania. Yeah, so Serbia and US are one semi final, and then you've got the winners of tonight's matches. Now I think Canada will win their match. They're an outstanding team. Canada are very good. Um, so Canada and uh, look between Slovenia and Germany, that could have been the final itself. It's unfortunate they're meeting in the quarters because that's just two really strong teams. I think Germany will get them. You know, I think Germany. Sorry. I think Canada will beat Slovenia. I'm sorry, and I think Germany will win the other one. So I think it'll be Canada and, and Germany in the other semi-final. Should be a good match that one. So there's a couple of really good matches over the weekend coming up. All right, yeah, and onwards to Paris. Yeah, onwards Paris to Paris. 2024. Yep. All right, Greg. Look very briefly. The Rugby World Cup start tomorrow or Friday. Look, Australia haven't had the best lead up, but look, they're in the south of France getting ready. They were soundly beaten France in a warm-up game, but Warm-up game being warm-up games. They are what they are. They haven't, haven't actually won a game yet under Eddie Jones' coaching this time around, but they'll give it a crack. And, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Look, I think we made the comment a couple of weeks ago. I, I think they'll, they'll be okay. I think they'll win and they won't be in the, the business end, but I think they're really planning for the next World Cup, which Australia's hosting. And I think a lot of Eddie Jones' plan and Rugby Australia's plan is to be more in a place to be really successful at the next World Cup. Discuss that. We are in agreement. But good luck to the Wallabies in any case. Um, and the US Open tennis is on this, uh, on this, uh, last week and this week. Uh, Alex Dominguez has made it, made it. He got knocked out, but he made it to the fourth round. 16, so well done to him. Look, a few okay results. I can't think of his name, but youngster from Australia made the second round. In the in the males, I haven't caught a lot of it, but look, it's a it is a good tournament. I haven't caught. Unfortunately, I haven't caught any of it. The timing for the U.S. Open in New York doesn't really suit us particularly well. Um, but no, unfortunately, I haven't caught any of it. I did see Dimar's result the other night when he was knocked out in the round of sixteen. Yeah, look, the yeah the weekend it's okay. In the I play nights, but other times it yeah you're right. It doesn't really doesn't really suit. But look, I saw Djokovic was two sets down the other day, but un- quite predictably, he got up and won. Uh, a couple of the youngsters are, are going through. It was Mevzadev who beat Dominua. So I think, I'm not sure how Alcaraz is going, but I think he's still uh, working his way through. It'll be, it won't surprise me if it's Alvarez and Djokovic, Djokovic yeah. again in the final. But we will see. Well, Greg, I don't know about you, if you got any more, but I'm, I think I'm talked out. No, that, that, it's been a long one tonight, but that's a good thing. Seeing we we're doing some catch up, a lot of footy review, which is, I always enjoy that. So, no, but I think I'm done for this week. Uh, all things being equal, we'll actually be on again next Wednesday. It should only be a week between pods, which will be nice because we can wrap up the first round of the rugby league grand final. We'll do a World Cup wrap because the basketball will be over by then and a few other things going on. So, um, yeah, no, all things being equal, we'll be on air again next, well, next week. Hey, well. 
Can I just give a big thank you to our to our listeners? Apologies for the couple of week delay, but as I said, it, it turns out quite good. It gives us plenty to, to chat the next time we meet. But yeah, September, great time of year, footy finals. Look, most of the local, or no, local rugby league is still going. They're heading to their prelims and, and grand finals. But whatever your sport is and whatever level you play, you know, good luck, good luck. May your team, may your team do well. And whatever team you support in the NRL AF, good luck. But not too much, particularly a fan. All right, agree. Thanks, mate. Um, thanks for the chat again this week. And thanks, as you said, quite rightly to our listeners. Really appreciate it. And we will catch you all in the next one. Bye for now. Uh, yeah, may I add Collingwood fan? You can't Thank have them you. doing well, either. No, no. Okay. Catch you no, all in the next one. No, we love you, Collingwood and Roosters. Okay, see you later.